0: Introducing the Elder Scrolls Legends Heroes of Skyrim, the latest game from Bethesda. The Elder Scrolls Legends is a new mobile strategy card game that immerses gamers in the dragons, the world, and the lore of the award-winning Elder Scrolls universe. From building your deck to taking on foes in one of the game's three exciting modes, every decision you make will require strategy and careful planning. Uh oh The Elder Scrolls Legends is available for download globally on both Android and iOS devices today. Welcome, travelers, to the Throat Of the world. Hey, guys, make sure to watch the Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk the Thrones, each week. Andy Greenwald, Mother of Dragons' Mallory Rubin, Sixers fan Chris Ryan, and myself are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk of Thrones will stream live exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends. It can be found on The Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. We will be reacting at the same time as you, contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk of Thrones, and you can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope, at Ringer. Ringer.
1: Hello! And welcome to Achievement Oriented, the Ringers Video Game Podcast, part of the Ringer yeah. Podcast Network. On the road in Vancouver, I am Ben Lindbergh, a staff writer for yeah. The And at home in LA, it's Jason Concepcion. Hey Jason.
0: Hello, how are the Hi. salmon? How are the salmon biting up there?
1: Oh, they're biting. They're they're getting pulled into the boat. It's I love been it. uh, it's a nice wilderness week for me, although I've been on the road, I've been up early, I've been traveling, my mic is broken. <laughs> I couldn't handle the strain. My body is broken. Also, Good I'm body. unaccustomed to what? this travel. I look like the epitome of the video gamer that no. we were talking to Ada about last week, your makeup artist. I My skin is dry. I've got... Bags under my eyes. I need her help. Fortunately, I'm not on camera today.
0: Okay, well, that's not quite your bat. Your body is broken. I was concerned <laughs> for a moment there. That's every, I, you know, every time I, I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I see that. I see a <laughs> yeah. skeleton staring back well, at me. Well,
1: you've been broken for months yeah, since <laughs> since <time>. Thrones <laughs> came back, <laughs> since binge mode started. We're almost at the end of that, by the yeah. way. Congratulations. Thank you but, very much. Uh, but you have a hellish week ahead of you. I know. So we are talking in just a few minutes to our staff writer at The Ringer, mm. Allison Herman. We're going to talk to her about the game that is Taking the Summer by Storm, Dream Daddy. And later in the show, we're going to talk to the legend, Finny Caravella from Giant Bomb about pivoting to video and how it actually can work in at least one case. couple things I wanted to bring up before we get to that. There are a lot of games that came out this week that yeah. I want to be playing that uh, I couldn't play because I was on the road. We just passed the one-year anniversary of No Man's Sky, Amazing. and I'm wondering if you are tempted to dive back in by the recent updates. You have got new... Biomes and people actually kind of meeting each other in yes. the game and quick travel and lots of story stuff that was not in the original release.
0: Yeah, I'd, I've been doing the updates. I haven't downloaded the latest one that adds uh, simple multiplayer, but I did download the previous updates that allow you to build uh, stations on different planets and yeah. um, with the improved graphics and kind of like the improved algorithms for plant life. And it's there is still something about that game that is fascinating. Just in just flying around and visiting planets, I, as I play it, I'm less interested in mining stuff. There's mm-hmm. Still, a, that's extremely tedious. But exploring the planets is there's something wondrous about it still.
1: Yeah, and have you seen the new grass? The new grass is good. The new grass is
0: fantastic.
1: People are excited about the new grass. What do you think the most impressive mundane objects in video games are? Oh, wow. Graphically speaking, like a good grass is just lush and, and... and like fur, like hair on a character that moves in a realistic way or like way back like Star Fox Adventures yeah. when Star Fox had like individually animated strands of, <laughs> of fur and it was super impressive at the time and I think probably still is so that kind of thing where there's just like a lot of individually moving stocks
0: of yes. something. Her, the, the grass in Horizon Zero Dawn was something mm. I was really impressed with especially at night yeah. as the, uh, the kind of robots would be looking around and they're the light from their eyes would kind of shine just so through the mist, and then mm. sweep over you, sweep over the grass. Yes, uh, I real that was an aspect of the game that I really, really enjoyed. I would like just sitting there and watching that. Um, and I think Zelda is another one that, in a different way, just because of Nintendo's uh, ability to. Hide their horsepower uh, weaknesses in in ways that are extremely artful. That's another game that um, mm-hmm. that it's more of a distance quality than a than a than an up close quality to the graphics. You just want right. to stare out at these vistas. But that's another one that I, I really enjoyed.
2: Yeah,
1: a good video game sunset goes a long way, or uh, really clouds, does. or just the yes. skybox. That yeah. that's really important. It's it's always a video game sunset is just better than the real life thing. I think in a in a lot of cases, and. I also want to ask you, I want to solicit some suggestions from you and also from the listeners because, as you know, I'm getting married in yeah. less than two months. You will be there witnessing the event. My and... my
0: shameless uh, <laughs> whining and, and public blackmail
1: was successful. Yes, you were you were always gonna be there, yeah, no, yeah, matter, yeah. no matter no yeah, matter what you yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I am planning a, a bachelor party or having one planned for I me. Can't wait. And it will not be a huge surprise to me that I'm probably not gonna go in for the, the traditional bottle service and exotic dancers type of right. bachelor party. Of not really my speed. I'm more of the, the Ben Wyatt from Parks and recreation type of bachelor (laughs) party which is just like indulging some nerdy interest so the thing that I'm talking about is doing a video game tournament where my friends and I, a select group will, it sounds like maybe rent a house for a day or two somewhere outside the city and we will just play a curated group of games. I want a mix of genres, a mix of new and old and nostalgic just good multiplayer games like a LAN party type setup that would be good for a day or so of solid gaming and I welcome suggestions from Achievement Orient listeners i welcome suggestions from you i'm thinking like goldeneye has to be there yeah and super smash brothers the original has to be there this has a lot to do with personal preference of course but also just you know good pick up and play multiplayer games i want either halo or or halo 2 has to be involved i think a mario
0: kart yeah one of the mario karts
1: yeah maybe going back to 64 since we'll have a 64 or maybe the most recent edition because that's really good too Really great. Rocket League I think I want to incorporate oh, wow. and maybe, maybe Splatoon 2 would be fun, wow, like some, some Turf really War exciting. action. Yeah, so it'll be a, an eclectic mix, so I don't know whether anything occurs to you off the top of your head that if you were present at such an event, which you are welcome to be, what would you want to see?
0: <laughs> well, I think you've just you mentioned all my favorite ones uh, yeah. certainly yeah, Mario Kart would have been the first thing I would have said Yes. Uh, just the fact that you mentioned Goldeneye makes me un- unreasonable Reasonably happy. <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting that. So I mean, this is a perfect. This is a perfect mix, and and Smash is a must of course yeah, smash.
1: yeah well please tweet at us either at us or, or at Achievement Pod let me know what you think should be included obviously it has to do with games I enjoy and am not terrible at so you might not know my preferences <laughs> in that area but if you were going to a, a really nerdy video game bachelor party which games would you want to see I want to crowdsource this to, to some extent so please let me know and let's uh, let's get to our guests now yeah. the, the first of our guests our colleague Allison Herman
0: about one of the games of the summer, Dream Daddy. Dream Daddy by Game Grumps, Uh, written by a 19-year-old. Dream Daddy is a game about dating your dream daddy. It's about dating daddies. And we've got staff writer, ringer staff writer, inimitable Allison Herman, who has played Dream Daddies, to tell us about dating dream daddies.
3: It's also being a dream daddy. I feel like I really need to clarify this right off the bat. That's
0: that's the thing. It's really about the relationship between you as the dad and your daughter. Your daughter,
3: Amanda, a beautiful 18-year-old photographer who's getting ready to fly the coop and go to (laughs) art school and thrive. Also, hi, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>
0: this, is, I mean, this is a game that you explain it to people and they're like, what?
3: This has happened four separate times yeah. in the Ringer offices today where I will just be describing it out loud and some innocent bystander will interrupt me and be like, what are you talking about? Please start yeah. this over again. But, so, so we um, should
1: say this is what a visual yeah, novel <laughs> slash dating sim, I guess, is the most accurate <laughs> right. way to put it. And it's kind of become a phenomenon. It It has. It, briefly dethroned a game we talked about recently Player Unknowns Battlegrounds yep. on Steam as the top selling game and it's still pretty close to the top I think so you are not the only one experiencing Dream Daddy this summer
3: And I'm also I should make clear a gaming novice I do not play on other that's platforms great. It's really just a way of saying to your listeners, please do not at me. I know I'm about to say a ton of inaccurate things, but um, anecdotally, so I am not someone who usually plays video games. And the reason that I got into it was a lot of my friends who, to my knowledge, are also not really Mm -hmm. regular video game users, would post screenshots. And like at first, I was sort of like... You know, this is, there's clearly some humor. It's right. fun to be like, I'm playing a daddy and I'm dating other daddies. And it's, that's what it know. seems
0: like. You would think it's like very jokey thing.
3: Yeah. It seemed, and it seemed kind of ironic the tone in which right. my friends are posting it. And then I saw Laura Hudson's excellent review in Wired. Yep that makes the very forceful argument and convincing to me at least that this is a legitimately great game that has value besides the humor and I then uh, purchased it on Steam and found that to be very much the case. Well, tell, tell us about your experience playing Dream Daddy. So, the setup is... I love saying Dream Daddy. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's
0: noticed. really <laughs> alliterative. It just rolls off the tongue. Well, I slacked you the other day. When we first were talking about <laughs> these, I slacked you. I was like, are you good for Dream Daddy? And you went like, What? <laughs>
3: No, you specifically were like, "Are you ready to talk daddies?" And I was (laughs) uh, possibly (laughs) going to need to elucidate the context here. But you play a dad who you can personalize. My dad is a man bun. His name is Alex. Nice.
0: But do you like? Are you a man bun fan? Like, if you were a daddy, you would have a man bun, or do you prefer daddies with man
2: buns?
3: I would prefer a man bun for myself Mm where I'm able to pull it off. But none of the other daddies who you, although one of them kind of does with dreads. It's like a dread ponytail bun situation. But basically, so you play a daddy of your choosing, Mm -hmm. but you have this daughter, Amanda, who you are very close with because your spouse and you can choose whether that spouse was a man or a woman has died like some years previously. Mm. And so you've developed a very close single parent bond with your child. Our condolences. Yeah. Yeah. It's still but very sensitively in the game, totally honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you move to this cul-de-sac in a city named Maple Bay. You don't know where it is. It's right. very Springfield-esque. And you live on a cul-de-sac that happens coincidentally to be populated by a bunch of other single dads who are also very attractive and very <laughs> interested in you.
1: <laughs> so this is a, a solely dad community? Like, you are not interested in dating Non- yes, childless men, and you arrange your... <laughs> you
3: arrange your dates on a social platform called DadBook. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. Uh, but apparently, the only six users of DadBook are the other dads on your block. But yeah, you meet them, and the dads on their surface fall into these pretty recognizable archetypes. So there's like a youth pastor. Mm. There's a very braggadocious dad who kind of out competitively uh, lists his child achievements. <laughs>
1: And they all live on the same block? Because that sounds potentially awkward.
3: I mean, I did not go on a date with that one because his bragging was very off-putting. But (laughs) there's also your long-lost college roommate, Craig, who has turned into a gym bro after you partied together as college students. Your child, uh, Amanda's English teacher named Hugo, the coffee shop owner. And... So there's it's mostly a text-based game, so there's not a lot of involved action. Most mm-hmm. of the decision making is you basically deciding which like track of dialogue to pursue. Right. Like you can basically choose to be an insensitive dick, you can choose to be more empathetic, you can choose to be curious. Um, that was sort of my my only complaint really was that it's a desktop game that really should probably be a mobile game. Right. I would usually just like put an album on, so my attention was half consumed mm-hmm. by either thing. But as the game goes on, your your attention is kind of divided between the pre-scripted dealing with Amanda growing up and dealing with high school stuff. And then your you choose to go on dates with these other dads. And basically with every dad, you can go on three dates. And then the third date is like the commitment date. And then before you go on the third date, it asks like, you know, third dates can get pretty serious. Are you sure this is your dream daddy?
2: <laughs>
3: and you have to click yes or no. So, because I wanted to uh, complete this game before I went on this podcast, I did go on a third date with Hugo. We are now happily in a relationship. I took him to a wrestling match for the third (laughs) date because he's secretly really into wrestling because people have layers. That's one of the main themes of this game. Yeah, that's one of the
0: things that the people really well-reviewed about this game is it's much deeper than you think it's going to be.
3: Yeah, and it specifically rewards your interest in other Mm. people's nuances and complexities. And so... You know, when you go on a third date with someone, you kind of trigger the end of the game and your kid's graduation party and stuff like that. But I sort of wish and will upon replays I had played the field a little more. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so there are like three dads that I haven't gone on even a first date with. And then, yeah. the you know, you do fun things. You can go to a concert with one of them. You can do trivia nights. I love it. So, it's, it's really fun and low-key, but because it invests in really um, smart dialogue and characterization, it kind of works. I I would sort of compare the experience almost to a choose-your-own-adventure comic.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: In that it's very, you know, like I said before, text-based, caption-based, and most of the, like, action on screen is literally just a daddy standing in front of you and occasionally <laughs> nodding.
2: <laughs> so, there's not too
3: much visually engaging on that front, but... It is really fun from a plot perspective.
1: And Does your daughter have to approve of the daddies? Does she oh, get to meet them at some point?
3: So she does meet them. Actually, my second date with one of the coffee oh, shop wow. owners That's starts. Intense. So it starts <laughs> when I I take Amanda with me to the coffee shop. Oh, wow. Uh, huh. So the daughter does interact with the other dads, and you will so- sometimes come home from a date, and the daughter will be like, "How was like cheese boards at this wine bar?" Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, "Oh, oh, it was great," but. Um, One thing I thought was really interesting is that you don't really deal with, like, the dads vis-a-vis each other. There's no Mm. jealousy that you might be getting serious with multiple dads at once. You just kind of have Mm. these independent relationship tracks with everyone. I don't know if it's, like, a subtle endorsement of polyamory, but maybe it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And do you discuss your kids on the date? Is that, like, a big part of the conversations?
3: Yeah. So a big part is that you bond over your children and how proud you are of your kids and your anxieties over your kids. And again, it's a part of the game that like really could be played for laughs, but instead you are genuinely affected by these guys. Like the one that I mentioned before, who's his former college roommate now has these twins who are really into softball and your first date with him is going to their softball match. And he talks about how being a dad has changed him or you talk about how hard it is to, some other dads are also widowers, and so you bond over how hard it is to lose your partner. It's, you know, really humanistic in a really touching way.
0: So, what are the um, what are some of the mechanics of um, kind of engaging in the text part of the game? Like, how do you how do you rank up? How do you build a good relationship with one of these dream daddies?
3: So, now that you ask, when you choose one of the tracks, mm-hmm. so you can choose to brush someone off, you can choose to keep pressing even though they don't necessarily want you to, or you can choose to ask it them sounds, questions. That sounds
0: great. <laughs> that, that, that that track sounds great. There's, there's pushy, lots of like, pushy dad.
3: So, there's lots of uh, common dating faux pas that you can commit. Right. So... You can see visually when this either goes over well or turns someone off because yeah. either hearts will spring from the mm. dad or a black cloud will momentarily Man, flash. I wish that was yeah. like real real life, dating should work like that. It would 100%. honestly make my life so much easier if I could meet people like that. If I could
0: just see, oh, there's that dark cloud. Okay. Not Bye. going out.
3: I'm out. Choose <laughs> <laughs> a different path. But uh, yeah, so that happens over the course of the date to kind of give you social signals. And then at the end of each date, uh, the dates are sort of ranked among... You know, a lot of the criteria are sort of jokey and individual to each date. So if you go to a wine bar, it'll be like, has great taste in Chardonnay, like, max on the meter. But you get a letter grade after each date that's basically estimates how the date went for you guys. And, you know, there was one date where I went on uh, a date with Hugo, the English teacher, and he mentions that he's interested in wrestling, and... I asked him a few questions and each time it basically says, press it or drop it. And I pressed it a few times and then I dropped it. And then the date just kind of ended. And I was like, wow, I really wish I'd taken that further. He was, you know, there's clearly (laughs) something there. I really wish I'd exhibited more curiosity about this other person. So there is a little bit of uh, feedback in the moment, although it doesn't. I haven't really been on a date where it's like, oh, that was a bad date. I shouldn't. This person will not want to go out with me again. I was a
0: total dick to this person.
3: Although I'm sure that's possible. And on the sort of achievement drop down uh, menu when you first log in, I know one of the outcomes was, you know, you could get the good Amanda ending or you could get the bad Amanda ending. So there's clearly a way to uh, fuck up your parenting. (laughs) So I imagine there's also a way to fuck up your love life in the game. What
1: was it about Hugo that appealed to you? Why was he your dream daddy?
3: I mean, he—he's very closely to my real life type, and that he's very pretentious. <laughs> but. Uh... So he was cool, and you know he's a teacher, so mm-hmm. very worldly, and obviously good with kids. And I'd been on a couple dates with him and Matt, who is the coffee shop owner, who's really into music. Who on your second date you um, buy weed from the vampire dad's kid. <laughs> with the van- oh, there's whoa, like a there. I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> he's. I don't think he's literally supposed to be a vampire he's a goth dad. But yeah. he, yes, he is like flowing dark locks and a nifty coat yeah and his son and his son's name is lucien and yeah, you buy out. <laughs> yeah. black clouds exactly. black very clouds off, over jason yeah, yeah. <laughs> just red flags all over the place so uh on your second date with matt the cool coffee shop owner slash concert attender you buy weed in the alley and you're like both of you are like i haven't smoked weed in years and then you realize it's oregano when you go back to his place oh. it's very cute <laughs> but they should move to california um <laughs> It's coastal, so I kind of assumed it was in right. California. I feel like weed is legal in basically every coastal state at this point. But maybe this is Florida. As
0: a as a person whose job is to engage with um, television and narrative that's delivered in a really like a traditional way, what like do you have any thoughts about um, the me- of video games as a medium, the interactivity of delivering narrative in this kind of medium?
3: Yeah, I actually think this was sort of a perfect entry point in that, like I said, the choice is sort of limited. You are operating according to a script. Right. And part of what has always been so intimidating about video games for me is there's so much of it. There's so much choice. There's so much potential. And so that's kind of kept me from diving into something that... Actually, when my friends who are passionate about it describe it to me, it sounds really interesting in many of the same ways that I find more conventionally narrative art mm-hmm. interesting. In fact, I believe I told Jason this in the office. One of my best friends came when we were hanging out one day and was like, "Oh, I just came from watching all the cutscenes from Injustice 2 as a movie <laughs> because they are <laughs> because they are collectively the best DC movie that is in existence." <laughs> And he was telling me about some of the themes of the games, and I thought that was really engaging, but I've always shied away from bigger, grander operations like that because there's such a high barrier to Mm -hmm. entry. So I would really recommend this game to fellow video game novices as a way to dip your toe in the pond in the way that you get Hmm. some of that flexibility, and you clearly are choosing your own unique path, and I'm consciously aware now that I finished the first run that I could go back and play things out an entirely different way but it still feels like you can wrap your head around it right
1: mm. I was listening to Laura Hudson talk about the game with Chris Selentrap on shall we play a game last week and yep. she was saying I don't know whether you experienced this but it sounds as if there are some dream daddies that you just can't successfully woo, like even if you like them a lot, they just might not like you back. You might not be their dream daddy. It sounds like you swept Hugo off his feet, so maybe this doesn't (laughs) apply to you. I think we were
3: kind of a perfect match, (laughs) if I do say so myself. But, you know, part of the reason why I didn't pursue some other dads is – You know, you kind of get the, um, not the goth dad, but kind of the badass dad who hangs out at the bar and wears a motorcycle jacket and invites you to go upstairs with him the first time you meet him. It's kind of clear that that's not really long-term relationship material and that's not necessarily a path I wanted to go down my first playthrough. Um similarly with the bragging dad, literally every social interaction you have with him ends with your dad being kind of turned off because he's so obnoxious <laughs> about how overprotective he is about his kids. So I do think there are some surface social cues where you kind of figure out this is a more promising path right. for me to go down. But I'm definitely excited to try out a bunch of different dysfunctional relationships down the road.
1: <laughs> yeah. And she was also saying that in dating sims often... It feels very manipulative because you can sense what the character wants from you and you give them what Mm -hmm. they want and then when you sleep with them or you end up with them or whatever you win and it feels as if you you just kind of trick them into it almost. You sensed what they are supposed to want, and you gave it to them. And in this game, from what it sounded like when Laura was talking about it, it it isn't always that they just want the obvious response from you, and that sometimes the obvious response or what seems like the obvious response can actually turn the person off. And so there's a kind of complexity to it that mirrors real relationships.
3: Absolutely. And a lot of the times when you get those choices of different dialogues to have, A lot of times one of them is just straight up not engaging. I'm not into this at all. Mm. The other extreme is you're overcompensating and you're like, I love this. This is, this makes perfect sense to me. And then to use the wrestling match as an example, the middle track is, I don't really understand what's happening, but this is really cool to me. And that's obviously the most candid and transparent that you can be in a way that's going to win someone over, and it's clear to me at least that honesty is really valued in the game in a way that, as you said, is not necessarily true of a lot of dating sims, right. where it's you're supposed to just present the version of yourself that the other person will find most desirable. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what, what was it like, you know, uh, Ben and I talk about Firewatch a lot, because this is a game we really loved, but there's a, there's a moment in that game where um, you're talking with uh, Delilah, who's like this voice on the radio, and it's it's a flirtation that's like seems like it's going somewhere. And I remember the first time I was playing through it. It's like I you have same thing. You have like these dialogue choices and you can kind of choose to like reveal stuff about your character's life. And I remember feeling like, oh, it feels too soon to do this. And then I was like, man, that is a weird thing to think about a person that I'm I'm not this person. Like, why am I? Why am I uh, nervous about revealing personal information about a person that isn't me? Did you like? Did you ever find yourself thinking about that in the context of, the, of playing dream daddy, searching for your dream daddy?
3: Yeah, you want to do right by, in my case, Alex. Right. You want to help him live his best life. And <laughs> I'm obviously not dating all these daddies, but a lot of it is... You know, he's putting down roots in a new community. He's feeling insecure about his relationship with his daughter, even though it's strong. They're about to she's about to go into a different, very, very different life stage. So I do think there's a lot of it encourages empathy, not just with the other Dads, but also with your character, who I imagine most of the people playing this game are not single dads or even parents, right. given the demographics <laughs> involved. And neither is the person who made this game, who, as yes. you mentioned, is a 19-year-old. Amazing. Girl.
0: Like amazing achievement. Like really.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. And apparently they wrote most of the game over Skype. Yeah. It's just I mean, not when any... I describe the uh process of acquiring this game to people and I get to the price, and I'm like, it's $16 and people balk. And my response is, it's like, yeah, come yeah. On. It's like, not like you're giving this to some corporate monologue. Like, come on, you're probably helping pay her like lunch money. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do think it it helps you be invested in this character's well being in a way that's partially self interested, but also partially, you know, this is a person who's very different from you.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about the mini games, right? Because this is not totally yeah, tax based. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. there's some game to this game.
3: Yeah, they are sort of charmingly rudimentary. I feel like I could recognize them from my, like, younger days on, like, Neopets and stuff. (laughs) But they're very uh, cutesy and zany. So, like, one, you tag... I think my first date with Hugo was you tag along on a school field trip to an aquarium. And a kid sneaks into the penguin enclosure (laughs) and you have to go in and get them out and then while you're getting them out the mini game is you have to prevent other penguins from escaping (laughs) which is just a delightfully silly premise and I think in the mini game I accidentally let four go but when you leave the mini game it wasn't like oh shoot there's penguins running around this aquarium it was just like that was crazy let's go yeah so there's sort of uh, on different dates. I think the other main mini game I found was uh, locating someone in a crowd at a concert, which definitely feels like a game whenever yeah. you're doing it in real life. Yep. Um, so they're all sort of charmingly <laughs> prosaic in their premises. And there's actually not too much minigame to it, but there are like a few scattered throughout for you to have a little more conventional gameplay.
1: So, can you see this being a gateway drug to other dating sims, other games, or is this just a singular experience?
3: I'm definitely open to more games personally. I hope it's a gateway for some people. I don't know about other dating sims because, as you mentioned, Dream Daddy has mostly been praised as an exception to that genre's flaws. But I do think it was, at least for me, an example of this can be. interesting and novel and engaging in a way that I obviously am more used to finding from entertainment that is delivered to me via my television set
1: how long till the tv adaptation
3: probably two months at this point depends like like a cw yeah I was about to say it depends how quickly Ted Sarandos can like break open the bank full but (laughs) you know they are down the street from us we can just ask them
0: yeah I'd pitch this I'd pitch this in a second the adaptation of dream daddy
3: Yep. Who do we cast as the hot dads? I'm going to need to, like, I think Jason Momoa should be the coffee wow, shop dad. Like the coffee shop dad? <laughs> He's got the, the cool, like, uh, ethically let's
0: ambiguous it. dread situation. So let's go through it. It's the, Jason Momoa's coffee shop dad. Who is goth dad?
3: Mm. Ooh, like the vampire one? Yeah. Ooh. Ezra Miller. <laughs> He's too young though. God. I, I don't know. These are unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> if 26-year-olds can play high school students, yeah, then 27 yeah, somethings yeah, 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 can also yeah, play yeah, single yeah, fathers. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, we've been talking with Allison Herman about the uh, one of the one of the games of the summer, and really a, a great surprise game of the summer, Dream Daddy, uh, by Game Grumps, uh, developed, as we said, by a 19-year-old college student. Uh We've been talking with Allison Herman, staff writer for The Ringer. You can follow all her stuff at TheRevampedRinger.com. And you find her at at A.Herman2006. Allison, thank you
3: for talking to us. It has been my sincere pleasure.
1: Thank you. All right, so let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Vinny Caravella from Giant Bomb.
0: Strategy card games are fun. Online strategy card games are arguably even more fun. Know what isn't fun? A stale online strategy card game where things don't change for months and months, where you lose to the same deck week after week. Why play an online digital card game if it doesn't change? Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Legends Heroes of Skyrim, a different take on the online strategy card game, with unique gameplay mechanics like lanes, runes, and prophecies, frequent balance updates to the metagame, weekly in-game tournaments, and a new card every month Legends is new fresh fair and interesting Legends features something for everyone for those of you who like to play solo story mode will have you immersed into the world of Elder Scrolls universe with fully voice acted cutscenes and beautiful motion graphics while playing through the campaign unlock new cards level your cards to tailor your play style and decks Legends also features a solo arena mode where you draft a deck of cards and play against various AI opponents and different game rules and conditions like PvP who doesn't jump online to play a versus arena or Battle Mode. In Arena Mode, players construct their own 30-card deck on the spot, which they will wield in a series of intensely challenging matches that offer the prospect of huge rewards. Huge! Battle Mode allows players to bring their finely-tuned decks against online opponents in ranked matches for a chance atop the leaderboard. Not able to jump in the game, link your Bethesda.net account and your Twitch account for a chance at free in-game loot-like currencies and card packs that you can get randomly just by watching any Legends stream. Wow! Or by streaming the game yourself. Whether you're a strategy card game fan or a fan of the award-winning Elder Scrolls characters world and, of course, the dragons, the Elder Scrolls Legends Heroes of Skyrim is available now for free. Find it today on Google Play, the App Store, and Steam for PC and Mac. Mac.
1: So The Ringer recently relaunched without comments. Very sad. Sorry to all our previous (laughs) commenters. But before that, when we had comments, I used to read the comments in direct contravention of best internet practices. And every now and then, there was a good comment in there that would give me an idea for an article or a podcast segment. And that's where this one comes from, because our colleague Brian Curtis some time ago wrote about the pivot to video, a phrase that strikes fear into the heart of every journalist this summer. As website after website lays off editors and writers, most recently Mike.com this past week, as publishers chase advertising revenue and gravitate toward video and away from writing. And we don't know whether this can work. We don't know how to make it work. It doesn't seem like it can work or whether it is sustainable. But as commenter David Emadon pointed out on The Ringer, there is a case study for a website and a group of journalists that pivoted to video and has done so successfully for more than nine years now and has been seemingly ahead of or at the forefront of just about every change in internet media over the past decade, and that is Giant Bomb. And so to find out how they did it and maybe how they became a beacon of hope for the rest of us, we are talking <laughs> to one of the founding members of Giant Bomb, the head of video production for the site and the host of the Giant Beastcast. Cast. It is the great Vinny Caravella. Hey,
4: Vinny. How you doing? Boy. I've i, I have, how you guys doing, thanks for having me. I've never heard anybody call giant bomb a beacon. Oh, that's a, that, that is a first. Uh yeah, boy, uh Pivot the video, huh? Yeah, Yeah, man.
0: I'm getting scared just talking about it right I now. I know,
4: right. It's coming for us. It's coming for all of us. So
1: for anyone who's not familiar with the origin story of Giant Bomb, can you walk through it a bit, reminisce, take us down memory lane? You guys were at GameSpot. You decided you wanted to cover video games differently, so you started Giant Bomb.
4: Yeah, I'll give you the, the real brief version. Yeah, all of us, uh, Ryan Davis, Jeff Gerstman, Brad Shoemaker, and myself, we were all at GameSpot. I was doing video over there as well. Jeff was doing reviews. Ryan and Brad were on the editorial team. And uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff gave a review score to a game uh, that seemed to maybe fly in the face of some of what the upper management wanted to see in terms of tying the review scores into ad revenue. You know endemics and making sure that those things line up hey you gave one of our partners a bad review score you know this is the very short version so this is the back of the book version uh, jeff was laid off and then shortly after we kind of all left and we jeff and ryan got together with some other friends and folks To start Giant Bomb and then we all got together to launch uh, Giant Bomb proper Mm -hmm. and we did decide that we in the early days how are we going to do this differently now remember this is it's hard to remember for me sometimes because it always feels like last year we did this but uh, it this was like 2008 I think and, and it was a time when. Like YouTube, I think still was like 10 minutes or or they had a limit on videos. It was was pretty short uh, and you couldn't exceed that. And so we, at the time, were trying to figure out, I was the only video person. Uh, Brad, Jeff and Ryan were all uh, written editorial. And yeah, we did sit down and try to figure out what our path was going to be. How much video can we put up versus how much text? What what does the market want now? Uh, how do we do this and have fun? And also, how do we make a living from this?
1: Yeah. And so it seems like you guys either anticipated or lucked into or some, <laughs> some combination of the two a bunch of trends that have just become much more prominent, not only in video game journalism, but in media as a whole, whether it was podcasting or let's play videos or just, you know, getting away from writing to a, a great extent and kind of getting away from the cookie cutter review and building a site around personalities that people could really get attached to. And the whole conversation about pivoting to video now often just seems like this sort of soulless piece <laughs> of ad dollars that isn't necessarily sustainable or even effective because by video, a lot of these sites just mean these kind of condensed articles essentially that right. they're just hoping people will click on because advertisers will pay a higher rate for, for videos, for ads attached. The beginning of videos because they think, oh, people will have to actually sit through these things instead of just putting an ad blocker on, etc. So, when you guys started, what was it exactly that you wanted to do differently, other than not being beholden to publishers and, <laughs> and called onto the carpet when you gave a game a bad review? Uh,
4: so, the main thing I will say, we we very explicitly said um, when we we're talking about our video strategy. So, GameSpot, we used to put up a review or or editorial coverage in the written sense and have three accompanying one minute video gameplay clips. Every game had to have that. This was at the time again, like YouTube was just kind of starting to get its legs underneath it. A lot of stuff. Remember Justin TV before it was (laughs) Twitch? like that, that's, that stuff was all happening and we decided we will not put up anything that is just raw gameplay. Everything will have some kind of editorializing on top of it. So if we put up gameplay, we're going to be talking underneath it, giving an opinion Uh, We're not just going to have, hey, check out uh, three clips of Gears of War. There's going to be an opinion attached to it. And that kind of worked its way into what we wound up doing with uh, what we call quick looks, which are playing the game kind of unedited and talking underneath it is basically an extension of that. How can we turn around video with one video producer, but also keep that kind of editorial voice in the video? And it just wind up being boiling it down. Okay, if we record the gameplay, And we just sit down and talk underneath it. And let's not edit it a lot and put that up. And and oddly enough, that seemed to service a lot of what the people who are watching us wanted. They wanted a lot of, we want to hear what you guys think of this game. And we like that you're just playing it in kind of a raw format. And that has kind of become a staple of what we do. It's very quick to turn around. And, And if I might just for a second add, over the course of my doing this, I've seen such an inverse in what the resources that have to go into something have flipped versus written versus video (laughs) where uh i feel like now if you ask somebody to write something versus ask somebody to just record a quick hit on something asking somebody to write something is a lot more cost prohibitive almost to be like put your words together write this well uh how long is it going to take you is it going to take you 20 minutes like who no uh, like author or writer in their right mind would give themselves 20 minutes to write like a you know good piece on like why pray is good right right uh, but you, you can record a 20 minute video pretty quickly and just put it up on the internet and so when we think about that stuff or at least when i think about it and i look at stuff now premium for lack of a better word again it's always attached to video but hardly ever attached to written editorials and i feel like that might be out of whack at this point
0: how long did it take after you switched over to really fall into a, the structure of, of what you do now or is it is it I would assume it's still evolving, but how long did it take to evolve into that to that place? And building off that, do you have any particular uh, strategy as to like how long a video should be uh, mm. comparatively to to what kind of content you're trying to put out?
4: So it did take us a while. So I was I was in charge of video. Jeff was kind of in charge of the the written side of things. And so we're trying to figure out a business model. And this is before we had subscriptions. So uh, I'm there, kind of cranking on stuff, being like this sucks. I'm one person. I can't make any more video than I'm making already. We're doing one or two videos a week. I'm tearing my hair out. Jeff's on the other side being like, this sucks. I'm trying to get you know 10 to 15 news posts up, uh, trying to review games uh, with the staff of two other editors over here. And we're both just, we're, we're kind of dying and killing ourselves. And we're relying on the ad market. Uh, meanwhile, our founder, Shelby Bonnie, is kind of going out being like, CPMs are dead like the the ad market's going to die and we're all like trying to figure out what's what's going on here and, and it's kind of a crazy thing it's like we had this mutual friend i'll call it quick look kind of bring <laughs> those two things together and be like well okay i can i can record you guys talking about this stuff if you guys want to just come sit down and like that can be our coverage for this and um time that with the podcast going up and it did take a while. If you go back to the early days of Giant Bomb, we had a lot of trouble figuring out, are we a news site? That's how these sites make money, right? That's how game sites make money. you got to put right. up a lot of news stories. And we have walked away from that. Uh, and we come back to it every now and then to be like, should we do news? Because that still seems like when we talk to people, that's how you get traffic in is news. Uh, and we're still trying to figure that out. But now most news are also quick video hits. So I don't know what's going on. Like The news I see from a lot of, at least game sites, are short. They usually have a video that autoplays on the news page. But I do think it must be doing something for somebody because it is still pretty prevalent. I see a lot of sites kind of reaching for that. But we, we never could figure it out, for better or worse. So we went into longer form video. And we luckily have a subscription model now where we have people who pay us directly Otherwise, it wouldn't work because a pre-roll ad at the top of a two-hour video does not justify it. And we have actually turned off a lot of ads recently on our videos just because it's not worth even paying a uh, sales team to go out and try and fetch this stuff. It's just not worth their time because the cost of serving that video is more than the cost of the ad to the you know one person. Yeah. Uh, so our model has to work in, in tandem with it. If we didn't have that, we probably, A, wouldn't be here. We definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for the subscription stuff. But, you know, that's why people have to make a lot of short videos and and pack them full of ads just because the the cost can be really high.
1: So how do you overcome the Internet user's reluctance to pay for stuff? And that does seem to be changing (laughs) to a certain extent, but you you have to overcome that ideology that, oh, it's the Internet. It's supposed to be free. I can get lots of free stuff. How dare you ask me to to pay for your Uh.
4: content? (laughs) I don't think I don't think we've overcome it. Uh, I think we we've tried to again steer things t- towards um, personality based, right? Mm-hmm. Early on, when we had conversations about Giant Bomb, and even when we came back to CBS, I would always make the case that well, first thing, people don't type video games into Google anymore, right? They're not like, <laughs> where are video games? Uh, okay, and let me find a website. They're typing in. Assassin's Creed level, you know, 15, sixth feather under the bridge, and they're getting a YouTube video with that specific thing in it. Yeah. So what we've tried to do is make sure that, okay, are you coming for somebody... Are you coming for Assassin's Creed or are you coming for Jeff? And Mm. uh, are you coming for, I don't know, Bayonetta or are you coming to watch Brad play Bayonetta? So that... Is something that you can only get on giant bomb you can't get anywhere else so we're not doing you know we've again we've trafficked in other stuff like news and guides and even and stuff like that but i think what works for us to make people come is like well you can't jeff works here so if you want to get jeff come in the door he's doing a quick look which is our free coverage of a game if you like what you hear and you want to see more of that you can uh you can subscribe uh, and get that personality. Uh, and you can't get that anywhere else. If you want to get somebody who's really good at a game, you could definitely go somewhere else. But if you want to see <laughs> us fool around in a game, uh, that's our only thing. So we've tried to appeal to people who are like, who want to support us and, and want to, you know, once you get to know somebody, you're like, this is their job. You know, this is how they're making a living. And you see that over the, it's great having kind of a, a longer history of that because you see that build up in the same way with things like Patreon and Kickstarter. where. Yeah there are much more personal stories of, oh, I want to go support Daniel Dwyer or, or, or I want to go support Drew Scanlon, these people who are going off and making video on their own. And I'm supporting the people and I'm also enjoying the product.
0: Building off that, it seems like then the hard part becomes establishing those personalities, building a brand there where somebody's like, ah, yeah, this is a person that, that I trust and I, I, want to, I want to watch their content. How do you approach that now? I mean, it's, obviously it's easier with people who are established um, but how do you, how do you replenish the the talent
4: pool, so to speak? <laughs> um, that is that is pure luck, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey! I, I don't I don't know. We I I bet you can ask any one of us and say I, I I don't know. I don't I really don't know why people come here or enjoy our stuff. <laughs> I, you know, uh, you know, we work really hard. We we um we do have you know. There's a lot of goofing off on the site, but behind the scenes, it is a lot of hard work. And a pretty stringent, like vetting and tearing our hair out process when we do have to add new people. We just had two new hires: Ben Pack over in San Francisco and Abby Russell over here on the East Coast. And it was a really long process. And despite the corporate nature of CBS, was you know, which is a very long process. Uh, just kind of seeing a lot of people, figuring out what's going to mesh, what's going to work, and then you know, the biggest thing is just making sure those people can work in the group because. Boy, if they don't, that's our entire business model. Yeah, And there isn't, or at least this is personally how I feel. I don't want to say that this represents all of CBS and Giant Bomb, but I I don't feel like they're... Ten years ago, there was a, a system for people. You can pick people coming up through uh, One Up uh, and other video game websites. You know, like you know, there were tons of them, and you just be like, "Oh, we know this person." You know, they work over here. And a lot of those sites are gone, and people are looking at things like Patreon and Kickstarter and doing their own thing. But you have other things that you can look at, like YouTube and social media, and people are very rehearsed with playing well publicly. And like, you can look at their how have you done, what have you done online, and like, what have you made. So. In one sense, you're trading off this deep industry games farm system for kind of, well, you've been forward facing since you were 12. And I, I can kind of look <laughs> back, and, you know, see what kind of trouble you've gotten in back then. It's tough. It's 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 a very hard thing. And at the end of the day, I, I hate to say it comes down to luck because everybody works super hard. But you sometimes you just have to take a chance and go with your gut and be like, I think this is the right person. I, I hope this works out. Mm-hmm. Um And that being said, if you're talking about pivots the video, I think that is something that is also amazing to me to watch all these people who got into this, who have been around for a long time, Started off as writers and really good ones, and then were asked to go on video and be great at it. Right? <laughs> it was like
0: <laughs> now I have to like actually care that I look like a piece of trash. <laughs> what am
4: I gonna do? Right. You, you, you have to suddenly be able to articulate in a very different way as well.
0: Hundred uh, percent. Yes.
4: Yeah. You're articulating in a different way. You, your thought process is different. You have to be quick on your feet. If you're interacting with other people, you have to make sure that like your body language is, is taking on certain tones. Now you're asked to go interview other people like on camera and. Like look like you're in control. It's a very big ask, and nobody was given training. Nobody was like groomed or been like, "Here's how you do it." Uh, Jason so, just brings his dog with him, which works really yeah, well. I,
0: mean, I find I find that helps because as people look at the dog and they don't notice that I'm very bad at making eye contact with the
4: camera. That's a, it's a good. You know, everybody needs a little trick, right? Uh, I, the, the best thing for me that I ever did early on in my career was uh had somebody else hold the camera and I had to do an interview because we didn't have somebody else there. It was just kind of a thing. Like I, I forget what it was. It was, a, it was a while ago. And being on the other side of the camera gave me such a better appreciation all those years ago for what that's like when the lights are turned on and you're holding a microphone in somebody's face and they are expecting you to be the one who is in control and knows how the flow of this should go. When really, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just holding my mic half listening to you with my left ear and thinking of the next question, uh, with the other side of my head, not necessarily with my ear. Cause that would be a bad, question. but you know what I mean? Like you're, it's a, it's a very hard thing to do. And like all these people were kind of just asked to be on video because of call it pivot to video or, or, you know, transitioning or whatever you want to call it. And I personally, I still absorb most of my internet in text i just the way i prefer to do it as somebody who's been in video for for a decade plus i like to open up a page i want to absorb news and i want to read it and uh, i think a well-written piece you can't replace it. It's, it's not something, it's not anal- analogous to a video. It's a very different beast. And uh, I think it's, it's a shame that nobody's found a good way to monetize that.
1: Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you about that because every time one of these sites starts pivoting to video, in addition to journalists rending their garments and wailing about the future of the industry, there are also readers who say, well, how am I supposed to watch these videos? I'm at work. I can't fake watching a video and yeah. working the way that I can reading an article or even maybe listening to something. And you guys put out so much video, just hours and hours, that I'm curious how your viewers consume that content if you know like how do they find the time presumably they're a lot of young people it's it's video games maybe they're not in the typical office environment where someone's looking over their shoulder the whole time but i am curious about that how do you fit that into your schedule
4: it's a great it's a great question and a great point because um people are, are consume this stuff and sorry if i wound up using terms that i've just heard in a million meetings you know. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> uh they consume the product uh, <laughs> uh they, <laughs> it, it, it's 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 multitasking, right? People are, are listening to stuff while they're uh, walking, doing something else. I do it. I'm sure everybody does it. You know, they're at their computer, maybe uh, typing in a spreadsheet or doing something else, and they'll have something else in the background. You can't do that with text. That's like, I don't know, a monotask a word. It is something you have to dedicate the time to and sit and read. But for one of our videos that might be an hour long, you can have that in another tab playing and kind of switch back and forth when you know you think something cool is happening or you want to rewind it and go. So we assume, and just kind of anecdotally from talking to people, that is how a lot of our stuff is taken, like at work in another tab or a minimized browser that they're kind of listening to and maybe switching back and forth between. And we noticed this when we did uh, recently a playthrough of a game when we did uh, Yakuza, zero, which is subtitled and where our commentary is mostly just sitting there quiet while we're reading the subtitles. And, you know, (laughs) you know, yeah, (laughs) exactly. And and people were just like, I can't watch this at work. I don't know what's going on. I I have to dedicate my whole hour and a half to watching this this yeah. video this is this is terrible never do this again uh <laughs> so so we do find out and that was a great example of just like oh right yes people are at work just kind of <laughs> watching this uh in the background and it's another reason why i think text for better or worse and I, i'm listen my personal opinion is is worse isn't given as high priority because like you can't just con- again consume it anytime any part of the day you have to set aside time for it do you, do you have any particular
0: strategy uh as far as making a video into a podcast or making it into shorter bites that could set up the longer piece
4: oh like basically uh trim it down you mean
0: and, and yeah yeah Like, how, how do you If you just, if you do a 60 minute video on the new Assassin's Creed playthrough, are you just expecting, okay, people are just going to (laughs) want this, but do you, or do you ever, is there like in terms of trying to promote that or grow that, do you ever think about making it into a podcast, yeah, making it into a shorter piece that could bring people in to watch that? How do you approach that aspect of it?
4: Yeah, again, that's yeah, super great question. It's, uh, it is something we've thought about for years and years and years. How do, we, how do we make these things a little bit more digestible? How do we make these things a little bit more bite-sized for people who, A, don't know what Giant Bomb is and don't want to dedicate an hour and a half to finding that out, uh, and B, for people who just don't have a ton of time? So So it it is all just a resource management thing going in and carving out, uh, sections of it just takes time. And as we've kind of grown, we've kind of revisited that strategy. Derek stone stone, who does a contract work for us, he actually makes a best of series that we brought him on officially, uh, as a contractor to do for us. And every two weeks, uh, takes a best of segment and we put those up in kind of, um, short form they're about 10 minutes and it recaps the last two weeks uh, of the highlights and we put links to all the videos that's currently how we're kind of trying to do that uh hey here's a here's some of what we've done but a lot of our stuff trying to figure it out from as a problem to solve as a content producer somebody who has to take this hour and a half thing cut down basically a trailer for it uh into a five or ten minute piece uh just takes a lot of time and the time that takes uh, I guess rel- relative a lot of time, I could probably record another hour and a half of, a clip <laughs> right. of something, and it's always right. just that push and pull uh, <laughs> uh, of stuff. And and that's what I kind of meant also about, like, if you asked me to write my thoughts on Assassin's Creed, that would probably take me half a day, or even more, right? It'd probably take me a full day. But I can record that video in an hour and a half, uh, and I'm, and I can guarantee you the thoughts on it would probably be much better in terms of like what i want to hold up to the world as like here are my full thoughts but we just don't put i feel like we don't put a premium on that or, or people i don't know if they can't sell it or what but that's the thing that i feel like should cost the most money at this point is getting somebody to sit down with a pen and paper and like actually a good writer write it. and i'm not saying i'm a good writer get somebody else to write it uh write out their thoughts on something but I, i'm i'm a little afraid that's going by the wayside
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the length of things and editing and production too, because your videos are, as you mentioned, about the personality and it's, you know, hanging out with these cool video game guys that you've grown attached to and, and like and want their opinion. So it's not so much about editing out every single stumble or pause or, you know, having like high produced graphics and animation and making it into this super sleek package. It's kind of conversational. So I wonder whether you, think about that when you're, you know, editing a podcast or, or a video. Is there a certain length at which you think it's just prohibitively long? Like, we've had that conversation at the ringer. How long should podcasts be? And you know, podcast analytics are kind of in this nascent form where you don't really know if people are listening. You know whether they downloaded. You don't really know if they're dropping off at a certain point in the episode yet. So, at the end of the year, when you guys do, like, 10 hours of Game of the Year on the Bombcast, I love that because it's just, like, this you know 10 hours of of humanity and agony and ecstasy and anxiety and you know people getting mad at each other and and getting excited and making impassioned arguments about stuff but from week to week if an episode is three hours long or something it might be tough to fit that into the schedule whereas in the past some you know boring traditional office jobs i've had i would have loved that i would have wanted the podcast to be three times as long as that just to get me through the day with something to listen to
4: yeah and that's uh that's kind of of the, feed, the feedback we get at least anecdotally is uh, mostly we get people who say I wish it were longer uh-huh. right? I wish I wish these three hour things kept going um, and obviously we can't do that we have the luxury of being able to dictate how long our video and audio is based on what we think is appropriate for the piece we're covering so if, if we're doing a game and we think it's 20 minutes and we've, we've had our film and said we'll cut it there If we think it needs to extend an hour uh, or an hour and 20 minutes. We'll, we'll do it for that. Uh, personally, you know, I came from a background where everything was very tightly edited before GameSpot. You know, I was editing video and I had a producer sit over my shoulder who would do paper edits and cross out every um and ah <laughs> and just highlight stuff in the thing. And it was it had to be a tight little like three minute video and everything was chopped up. There wasn't five seconds of clean audio. Yeah. and And we also when we were at GameSpot, there was an initiative there to try and do a tight show. Um, we had an old show called On the Spot, and there was an initiative there to do it. Um, you know, they wanted like a TV hour, so they it was like forty some odd minutes, and we had to be tight on the schedule. And it was an interesting exercise, but boy, did some of those guys really hate it. <laughs> like, okay, you know, just constant wrap up signals. So when we started Giant Bomb, it was really liberating to be like, let's just go the length that we need to go, and that's kind of been our. Like two hours is like our our, our limit on a normal piece of content of like, Mm -hmm. oh man, like we've gone for two hours. Maybe that's just a a thing we've just gotten used to. And we've had conversations in the office of like, hey, don't forget, everything doesn't need to be two hours (laughs) if you guys want to do a thing. And uh, I think it's super great to try and experiment with those formats. And we've tried and had conversations like. Okay, we've got one-hour things, we've got two-hour things. We have nothing under an hour. And um, <laughs> I recently started doing a, a series where we we're playing through some of XCOM where I wanted to break under that hour mark and keep it around 40 minutes to an hour. Usually what happens is we come in with best of intentions. I think when we started the Beast Cast, I told everybody, hey, listen, this is going to be about a 45-minute-a-week podcast. And now that thing is like two hours <laughs> <a week>. So, <laughs> like. So... Uh, the great thing about this job is when you're working with people you really like you just you just want to talk to them and hang out and and that's that's a great part of it uh, that's what's I, so tough about Ben and I the relationship we have because it's just so much acrimony and
0: and we just want to get out of here as fast as
4: possible (laughs) Uh, yeah you know it's just like one of those things and like we if we had an editor just editing a podcast the thing would probably probably be about 15 minutes if you took all all (laughs) BS and just goofing off Uh, but like that's not the thing we're making you you know it probably is not a great business model to say hey to get into Giant Bomb you need to have 10 extra free hours a, a week just to learn what it is but you know that's that's kind of the hole we've dug right now, and in the future, I would love to have shorter, again, like I said, more digestible versions of everything we do. It's just a resource thing, and, and where we put those resources.
0: And finally, it's as you look around the media landscape. Let's see, Vice Sports recently shut down and a pivot to video. It, it makes sense actually for them. Uh, Fox Sports One. We can go on and on. Do you guys ever discuss it, or is, is it ever you know? Do you ever bring it up? Like, wow, we did this and we're successfully
4: doing it right now. Uh, Mostly when we talk about that stuff, we're really bummed. (laughs) I mean, yeah, uh,
0: nobody's like,
2: Hey,
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. When we we see that stuff, I think we're all really big believers in text and, and being able to express, sit down and think about and put together your thoughts on paper. Uh, Even those of us in video, uh, like it's a, it's a great thing. And when I look for news every week, to put the beast cast together i don't i don't want to watch a video about what happened i want to read a i want to read something and that you know there are places that still do it but even the places that still write a stub of text have a video attached to it uh so we, we don't we i don't think we ever thought that like we transitioned to video from text i think we kind of internally think this this was always the way it was going to be like we it never felt right us doing just text it always felt like well that's momentum we had from GameSpot, and i think it comes up a lot mostly in reviews because you you can probably see our written reviews have trailed off significantly over the years like we just Mm -hmm. do fewer and fewer we're way more selective about it and again it's i don't think it's for lack of want to write a review it's just a, a again a resource thing Especially when you're talking about playing through an entire game, sitting down, getting your thoughts together, publishing that review takes a long time. And the video review on top of that take, would take even longer. But all these guys are great writers, and they love writing, and they love flexing that muscle. And, and it's just something that the return on, and I don't even necessarily mean financially, just I think is less impactful than video at this point. And, and just in terms of the the appeal and the audience, and and from what we've heard, and I think that's a shame. Like, I, I really, I, I wish I could read a review of every game from these guys, but they just don't have the time to do it. But and also, they're just so good on video. So like, like I and they're so good at what they do on on podcasts. But I don't think we've ever said like, yeah, like we really we did it. We saw the, the we read the tea leaves, and like we knew video was going to be this huge thing. And like, here we go. I think more often than not, we're like, man. how come we're not making a ton of money (laughs) like like we've been doing this forever how's everybody else doing this faster than we are uh so that's probably more of the question of like what are we doing wrong uh as uh everybody kind of gets on board it's a it's a it's a really it's an interesting time to to see this stuff uh as a video producer it's I have mixed feelings about it. You know, this is my job, right? I make video for a living. And here I am kind of like probably the one of the last people on earth who still gets a newspaper. So like, <laughs> I love video. I hate video. I think it's very powerful. I also think it should not replace uh, text, but be its own thing. And uh, I hope people find a way to make money for it from it because um it'd be a real shame if they can't so do we we like jobs <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, jobs are good. and good and good work should always be rewarded. man I, one last thing is uh, people need to be paid what what they're worth and like I, i've seen in this industry so many times that not happen and uh taxes i felt like has always been something where just people are paid dirt and like it's a real shame and i, I hope that changes as well Right. Can we can we
0: put the uh, the theme to Les Miserables? Make like, it swell as we end the, end the podcast?
1: Alright, we've been talking to Vinnie Caravella of Giant Bomb, which we have just rebranded as the Beacon of Hope. You guys are, yes. are free to, to start using that as your tagline, if you like. Thank
4: you. I'll, I'll submit that to corporate right away. And we'll
1: you can find Vinnie on Twitter at Vinny Caravella. You can also hear him on the Giant Beastcast. They have an episode up to talking about a a bunch of games that we're planning to talk about soon madden and sonic mania and agents of mayhem and uncharted lost legacy it's probably multiple hours of your day (laughs) so go check it out and giant bomb now has free trials for giant bomb premium so you can go check out the site now without paying for it with finality although once you give them your info and check out the site hopefully you will want to so that vinny can continue to get paid thank you very much vinny
4: Thanks so much for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, I forgot to mention this during our conversation with Vinny. I was looking up an article that I had written for Grantland uh, about how Jigsaw from Saw uh, as a child was the child from Home Alone. Right. Uh, Yes.
1: Compelling theory. Right.
0: Compelling theory that I had. And so I was just looking it up because I was writing kind of a similar esque take and I just wanted to kind of get some structure beats and things that I remember things that I had done. And in that process, I came across a video that someone had made, which was essentially my article that they read (laughs) and they repurposed the art from the column and everything uh, for a YouTube video. And the video had over 200,000 views and my original (laughs) piece had like thirty five thousand likes or something like that is extremely disheartening.
1: Did they read it
0: well? <laughs> I mean was it,
1: they So like yeah. a dramatic reading?
0: No, it was just a reading it was it was yeah, it was like a like a newscaster reading. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just extremely and it was just straight ripped from my text. It was just reading yeah. my text. Crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you pivoted to video without even being involved. Without,
0: without even knowing it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's heartening. That's a proof of concept, at least, that <laughs> if if someone makes us stop writing at some point, you can just write in a document in your computer and then right. read it into a YouTube video. Right, over, clip, over clip art.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, that's our future. Alright, well there is a lot we want to play and talk about. I want to talk about Sonic Mania. Yeah. I want to talk about Agents of Mayhem. Yes. I want to talk about Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. There is just that. yeah, a lot coming out. We will try to get to a lot of that in the coming weeks. Wanna talk about some esports and, and TI too, so there's as usual too much to fit into the time we have. We need to start doing some, some giant bombcast episodes yeah. that just <laughs> yeah. last for three hours. That's the only way to do it it but we will be back in our usual slot next week you have been listening to achievement oriented part of the ringer podcast network talk to you soon jason see you then